Wholehearted and reckless love. I love that mashup. Man, I hope you were able to clear your head and heart and really worship wherever you are, whatever's going on, whether you're in your car or on break from work or you're at home chilling in your living room, wherever you're participating in this online location, I really hope that you have, have been engaging in this worship service and in the music. I really hope that you're going to keep your heads and heart clear of distraction for the message I got for you. We're kicking off a brand new series called Hashtag Blessed, finding clarity and the good life in the words of Jesus. And we're going to start that off in the book of Matthew chapter 5. But before we get to that, I just want to ask you if you could help us with a challenge. We're trying to finish this challenge by June 4th. It's called the Kids and Coffee Challenge. No, we're not going to give kids a bunch of coffee. We're trying to just crank out the rest of the gear we need and supplies we need for the kids' ministry as we launch together, all of us launch together a new church location in Tremont for the whole west side of the county. Kids' lobby stuff, the coffee stuff to create such an amazing atmosphere. I mean, come on, these are two of the most important things in church. The stuff you do for the kids, they're our future, and this coffee we do to cope. <laughs> Stay awake during the message. Would you help us out? The link's below if you're on our online location. If you're not on our online location, you're picking this up on Facebook or on YouTube, just go to gracefreechurch.net slash kids and coffee, and you can pick up an item to help us finish off all the stuff we need. Take the kids and coffee challenge. We're all in this together. We can't do it without you. You are making a real impact in our county through your generosity. I can't wait to see what God does through you and through all of us. He is doing some incredible things. We're also planning a very cool outdoor campfire worship service up in our Tremont location, so be paying attention to all of that. Man, you ready to jump into a message? Hashtag blessed is the series, and this message is called hashtag it's not what you think. <laughs> Let's pray. Dear God, we thank you so much for your love for us. Wherever we are, whatever's going on, we just are grateful for you and that you meet us right where we are. We're spread out as we participate in this online location, but what we want is for your spirit to join our hearts together in hearing from you and draw us closer to yourself. We need you. We got some stuff going on in life. We need you. Would you show up now? Break through the distractions. Tear down the walls in our hearts. We need you. And we're so thankful for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. We are in a brand new series called Hashtag Blessed. Hashtag Blessed. You're going to want to hit up all of these this summer. Uh, we're going to run this series for the next nine weeks, and I'm really excited about the messages we have outlined in this series. And what we're going to be doing is we're going to be taking a look at Jesus' most famous sermon. Some think it was a collection of sermons in the book of Matthew chapter 5 through Matthew chapter 7. Man, Jesus has some stuff to say, and what's way better than anything I could say is what Jesus says he's the one who came to give you a full life, and I think his words, I know his words, will get you there. It's not what you think. Hashtag blessed. 
And the tagline for this is how to find clarity and the good life in the words of Jesus. Two things you need to make it. Two things you need not just to make it, but to help you thrive through life and the circumstances it throws at you. You need clarity. And you need a good life. You want a good life. We all want those things. Clarity and a good life. A good life, a life that's better. Everybody is always searching for those things. But how you get there isn't what you think. We think that things will give us a good life, that leveling up will give us a good life, that getting more stuff, a better job will give us a good life, a a different person will give us a good life, a better relationship will give us a good life, more money will give us a good life, lots of friends and popularity will give us a good life, having some clout will give us some good life, being healthy will give us a good life, all kinds of things that are based on the circumstances in our life, but what if The good life is found not the way you think, but through a whole different way of living. You know, Jesus came for you to have and experience the best, the good life, a full life, to experience a blessed life, but how you get there is not what you think. I remember in high school, a friend of mine had his uh, his name is Scott. He was going to take us all to a basketball game in Pine Grove. Now, you got to know a couple of things about me, and one is that I married a girl from Pine Grove, and she is amazing, and the best part of this duo is definitely her. And so I was a little bit wise when I was, I was keen to it as a young man. We were keen to it as a group of friends. We knew, like, the best life somehow ran through Pine Grove. Now I know you're getting all excited about that. You're not from Pine Grove. You're, I wasn't from Pine Grove either. I'm not saying that the good life doesn't run from through Ashland or Shenandoah or Ordsburg or wherever you think it's going to run through. But for us as kids, man, we just thought that's where the ladies were. <laughs> maybe, maybe the girls in our own school knew a little too much about us or I don't know. But we... Uh, we were headed to Pine Grove to watch a basketball game in my buddy Scott's sweet, it wasn't his, it was his dad's. It was his dad's sweet new car. I don't know how Scott got the keys to it. He must have been a good boy that week, but we all piled in that thing and we could not be more excited to go hang out and socialize in Pine Grove at a basketball game. We thought it was going to be an epic Friday night driving out 443 West. The new car breaks down. This is when cell phones were the size of like a like a banana. You know what I mean? Like they had like this whole thing sticking off the top. It was like Miami Vice time. You don't even know what that show is. Like cell phones weren't a thing. We didn't all have one and you couldn't fit it in your pocket even if you did. It was like carrying around a home phone. It was crazy. Anyway, we ended up stuck in this house for half an hour. The new car, it didn't get us where we wanted to go. It didn't get us to a good Friday night. It didn't get us to, to a good life. You know what got us there? My AAA card and the Dodge Omni I had left at the house. This was a car where the felt 
cloth covering was falling down on your heads. You ever have a car like that? Come on, man. Some of y'all had a car like that. The cloth falling down on your heads because the glue's so old and worn out. You had to like stick it up there with things you found like little pins. You'd stick pins and buttons in the ceiling of your car to keep it out of your hair. Like that Dodge Omni barely had a muffler. It's muffler sounded like a race car. But I'll tell you what, that piece of junk car that my dad had to work on like every other month just to keep it on the road. That piece of junk car and a AAA card, that's what got us there. And to know I would eventually find the real good life through Pine Grove anyway. What we think's going to get us there, it's not going to get us there. It doesn't get us there. It's a paradox. It's not what you think. You want a good life? You want clarity? The way to get there is not through new, better, different stuff or relationships. It's through following the words of Jesus, the designer of life, who shows us how to get there and how we live. And, and that's what this whole series is about. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus sat down while the church all stood up. I think we should try that, but we're not going to. This is, I got a lot of content today, so I got to keep moving. But I just want to say, like, hey, like, that sounds swell. I want to sit down. You all stand up. But you're all like, you preach too long, so we can't do that. I'm not going to try it, but that's just a paradox right from the get-go. That's how Jesus taught this Sermon on the Mount. And he starts off with what is known as the Beatitudes. You ready for this? Here's what it says. It says, blessed are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. Jesus starts off this whole sermon, this teaching, with this blessed rant called the Beatitudes. Now, there's eight here. I mean, some theologians will try to break it into nine. Some pastors will try to break it into nine. I just think, man, if you take a simple approach to your scripture and your hermeneutic, man, you end up with eight here, persecuted. Don't try to split it into two. It's one thing. Jesus just changes the focus of the delivery at the end there. Eight things here, but I got, I got four main concepts from this passage that we got to get to start to understand 
how to have a blessed life and find clarity and a good life through the words of Jesus. He starts it off big, flipping everything on its head, saying to a bunch of religious people who are so focused on the outside and doing a bunch of stuff to get there, they were focused on the wrong thing. They thought the wrong thing would get them to the good life with God. He flips it all on its head with these eight Beatitudes. And I got some lessons here. I want to jump at you. Number one, four of them. You ready? Number one is there's a deeper kind of happy you can have. Deeper happy. That, that Jesus is, is showing a deeper kind of happiness that you can experience. That word blessed is an interesting word. It was a quite common word in Greek. Many of the philosophers and the writers of their day, we, we have historical records of all these guys using this word. Blessed too is very common language in the Greek, blessed. And it comes from this word markos, that's the actual, uh, or makarios, that's the actual Greek word. And that actual Greek word there, blessed, it means happy, happy. it means fortunate, it means blissful. This word was such an important word in the common language. It meant to be happy, blissful, and experience good fortune. Now in scripture, this is word, this Greek word is combined with God and used as blessed. And what it actually means is that you get to participate in the blessing of God. That, that God is going to let you participate in, in, his, in the bliss he has for you in life, in the happiness he has for you in life. But here's the other important thing to know. It's not a blessing that you just get just because. It's a blessing you get to participate in as you follow him, as you live your life by how you live your life. It's goodness that he has for you. It's blessing that he has for you. It's, it's happiness that he has for you as you live a, as a part of the kingdom through faith. So I got to pause right here and just say, man, if you're not in this kingdom you should be because you're missing out on the best blessings, true, deep happiness in life. Now, our idea of happiness is so cheap, and I think that's why people get nervous when you drop happiness into a sermon and you say, God wants you to be happy. It's not like, it's not like the cheap kind of happiness we have it's talking about here. It's not like I got a new iPhone, so I'm happy because now my picture's really pop on the gram. It's not like, man, I just got a cheeseburger from McDonald's and I've been on a diet for like four weeks. That's not even that long to be on a diet, right? Like you're like, I feel so happy inside because I got the greasy fries. It's not, you see, our version of happiness is so kind of cheap and weak. And that's not the happiness. I'm going to give you a new word. This kind of happiness it transcends circumstances, diets, phones, money, all of those things. This kind of happiness that God is trying to usher into your life, the word we should use because our word happiness has been so cheapened is this, it's joy. You see, joy can last through anything. It can be experienced in the middle of anything. 
Joy is the general feeling of well-being, of goodness, of it's going to be all right. It's happiness in the midst of anything. It transcends circumstances. It transcends your status in life. It transcends your relational status in life. It transcends all of it. Joy has got to be your new word. You don't just shoot for a happy life. Jesus didn't offer us just a happy life. He came and he gives us peace and joy that can survive anything. You see, when you're found in him as a part of his kingdom, what he gives you on the inside is so good. And that's number two. You ready for number two? Number one is, is there's a deeper happiness for you. There's a deeper happiness for you through how you live as a participant in his kingdom. How you live. How you live. There's this, uh, let me just jump to this right here. And say in Proverbs 4.23, it says, it says this. This leads into the next one. You ready for this? Guard your heart above all else, for it determines the course of your life. That's number two here. God cares more about your inside. God cares more about your inside. Listen, he cares more about your inside than your outside. He cares more about your inside than you do. It's the inside thing that we always neglect. It's the inside that we always cut out. It's the inside that we always want to ignore. We don't want to process our feelings. We don't want to go there. We don't want to talk about how we feel. We don't want to talk about the struggles we have in our heart. We don't want to talk about why we're so angry, why we don't want to forgive people. We don't want to talk about why we're so sad. We don't want to talk about why we feel lonely. We don't want to, we don't want to, we just try to bury that junk inside the most important stuff on the inside and while we try to bury and ignore the stuff on the inside what happens is we just keep spinning our wheels on the outside we think if we work hard enough on the outside it'll fix it if we get enough on the outside it'll fix it we just keep spinning our wheels we focus on the outside while ignoring the inside, but what that Proverbs verse says and what Jesus was showing us through this entire list of beatitudes, of blessings, what he's teaching us is it's the inside. This would mess with the spiritual leaders of their day. I mean, here he, he sits down and he preaches is the first sermon according to all of the religion that they had. He preaches it completely wrong because instead of talking about all the moral things you should do, he's talking about their hearts. Instead of giving them a list of behaviors, he's saying like, I'm not abolishing the law. I'm, making, I'm fulfilling the law. It's about your heart not about your actions, but we weigh our lives by our actions while ignoring our hearts. Listen, God cares more about your heart than the junk you're going through on the outside, than the things you're trying to accomplish on the outside. He cares. You can be a morally right person in your action and be spiritually dead. Why do we always focus on how people stack up on the outside, about how they dress when they come to church? Why do we always focus on whether their behavior looks nice and neat and clean 
instead of being concerned about the heart. Listen, I'm concerned about your heart, and God cares more about your heart. And what Proverbs teaches us is that it's your heart that you need to guard above everything else. It's your heart that determines the course of your life. And God here, he's laying it out for him. The blessed life, it's about where your heart's at. You want clarity? You want a good life? It starts with your heart. Number three, we're cruising. You ready? This is where we get, we get the rundown of all these things. Number three is it's a journey. It's a journey. So I was reading, um, and we were studying some of this, one of the scholars, uh, that I, biblical scholars that I was reading to prepare, um, spent a lot of time talking about the progression. I don't remember who it was. If you want that information, you're going to have to hit me up. I'll get it for you. But, but they spent a lot of time talking about the progression here in this, uh, in this passage, that the, the Beatitudes, these blessings, the heart status in this passage is progressive. It made me think of, it's a journey. Everybody's on a journey and everybody's journey looks different. And if you didn't start the journey, then it's time to start the journey. If you're on the journey, beware lest you get stuck on the journey. Like, listen, wherever you're at, level up your heart. That, that's how to experience more of what God has for you. Experiencing more of what God has for you, it's not about just doing more stuff. It's about leveling up your heart towards Him. So, so God is, God is laying out a deeper kind of happiness. He cares about your inside. And here he gives us this progression of stuff. Jesus teaches this progression of stuff about our hearts, the journey of our hearts. How to go deeper and deeper and deeper into what God has for us and into our relationship with him. Listen, if you're just living on a basic level with God, that's good. You're going to experience some good stuff, but man, you're going to miss out on a lot of stuff. If you're just keeping God like in a comfortable place in your life, there's still blessing for you. You're going to experience some fun and cool stuff in your relationship with God, but you're going to miss out on the deeper kind of stuff. If you just kind of quarantine him to areas of your heart and don't let him have all of it like man you're missing out on some really good stuff the blessings multiply as you lean in the good life it multiplies as you lean in so so it's a journey and i don't i don't want you to look at somebody in in your life and say their journey looks like yours it doesn't their journey is going to look different don't judge somebody if they're not on your level listen don't judge somebody if they're not on your level maybe god doesn't have them there maybe that's not what they're supposed to be working on maybe god has some some different for them to be focused on right now in your life it's best just not to judge but we'll get to that later on in the series here's the progression you ready for the rundown we're going to do these fast, just eight. I know people say there's nine. I'm just saying there's eight. Like, you can read it for yourself and see how you break it down. I'm breaking it down into eight. Here's the rundown. The poor in spirit are blessed. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What he's talking about, poor in spirit, what's that mean? That's really confusing. Nobody wants to be poor, right? And I don't even know what that means when you combine it with spirit. spirit. Here's what he's saying. It's the, the people who are spiritually bankrupt and know it. They know they can't do it by themselves. They know 
that they can't fix it all by themselves. They know that they can't be better at being religious and have it all work out. The spiritually bankrupt say, I need Jesus. You know, we just did a whole series on grace, and there's a lot of people that don't understand the depth of grace, the beauty of grace. There's a lot of religious church people that don't, just don't get it. it doesn't, they don't like to hear about it. They don't want to talk about it. Like It seems like it's, you know, just, ah. Uh, t- Listen, when you really are poor in spirit, grace is a really big deal. And you don't want to talk about anything else. The fact that God loves us anyway, he likes us anyway, that his love is unconditional and perfect and we didn't deserve it and we can't do anything to earn it, it's a really big deal. The poor in spirit, they are spiritually, they, sit, they look at their hearts, I want to be this person. I look at our hearts and say, I got nothing here. I can't fix it. I need Jesus. <laughs> I need him today. I need him Yesterday, I need him tomorrow. I need him this hour. I need him this minute. I need him to finish this sermon. I need Jesus. Is that your level? Are you there? Can you say with genuineness, I can't fix my own heart. I need Jesus. Number two, the rundown. The rundown of these eight blessings, these eight part things on the journey is, is to mourn. Now, this is confusing because it's not really talking about just mourning the loss of someone in your life. That's really heavy stuff. What it's actually capturing here is blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted as a spiritual type of mourning. And it's a kind of a repentance that moves us, a repentance that moves us to a better place. It's not just remorse or regret. You ever make a mistake and be filled with regret, like it eats you up for a day, filled with remorse, like a deeper kind of regret, and then you start carrying guilt and shame around, like all this other baggage that you can't fit in the carry-on of your life. It just keeps spilling out all over the place. You can't let it go. You don't experience grace or forgiveness or love. Your relationship with God just has a wall that keeps growing because of that mistake. This is talking about mourning because you know you need Jesus. It's, it's saying like, God, I, I just repent. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay it all out here. I screwed up. I messed up. I'm sorry. I'm going to turn from that junk in my life and give it to you and ask you to forgive me through what you did on the cross and the empty tomb. You see, real repentance is not a bad word. It's actually the word that moves you from guilt and shame towards grace and confidence. Repentance restores confidence you have in your relationship with God. Listen, he never left you. Repentance tears down the walls in our hearts between us. He, repentance is what allows us to go from the, the, the shame of our mistakes to living in the grace God has for us. Meekness, number three, we're going to keep rolling here. Meekness is called strength under control. There's a lot of dudes right now who are like, I got a problem with Jesus. I knew he was some kind of hippie wearing, like sandal wearing, like sweet talking, long hair dude. Ah, nah, man, I'll keep, I'll keep my muscles and my, 
my, my strength and my temper. I don't want to do this whole meek thing. It sounds so lame, but you forget Jesus was kind of a savage. Like he went into the temple and tore up the place, like threw stuff around because they were making a mockery of his God's house. Jesus endured all kinds of physical stuff. Like he was, he was no weakling. He was, he was amazing. And, uh, that's not the meekness he's talking about. You see, meekness is not something weak. It's actually strong. It's, it's this. It's strength under control. I think 1 Peter 5, 6 kind of captures what Jesus is saying in this verse from a spiritual perspective. 1 Peter 5, 6 says, Humble yourselves, therefore, and under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Meekness is saying, I know I could do something about it, but I'm going to choose the right thing. Meekness is, is controlling yourself. It's a picture of great strength that makes a choice to do right, to live right, to behave right, to treat people with respect, to hold judgment, to, to hold back the power, to, to refuse to just indulge the impulse of a moment to fight or lash out, to be wise. And the best men I know, the strongest men I know, the, the toughest men I know were meek. Strength under control and choosing wisdom before action. The, the next one, right? Like, let's keep rolling here because I'm crushing in on the time. Hunger and thirst. We got to wrap these up really fast. They hunger and thirst for righteousness. Spiritually speaking, they, these are people who just want more of God. They're thirsty. Listen, are you just taking in empty calories? The empty calories, they fill you up and they don't make room enough for God. Listen, just get some junk out of your life that's empty, that's filling up space. It's not really getting you the good life. It's not adding to the clarity. Make room for God and thirst for more of Him. Maybe that's why you're watching right now. Kudos for you on this level. You are thirsting for more of God. You're thirsting for more of him. The next one is the poor, poor, pure in heart. Listen, check your motives. The pure in heart, it's about checking your motives. And often what I find is sometimes my actions are right, but my motives are wrong. The pure in heart, they have the right motives in their pursuit of God. They have their right motives in their, their actions and service for others. The pure in heart have a God, have a relationship with God where he is constantly washing us new, forgiving us. We are constantly going to him with our actions that are off and our motives that are misplaced, seeking him to create in us a pure heart. Psalm 51.10, David said, create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Listen, when you are letting God purify your heart, you are, you are being, having an, a, a relationship with him that is full of integrity, when you are living in integrity, when you are, when you are checking your motives, it equals steadfastness. You become steady, unshakable, strong, planted. You have a firm foundation. 
The last one is peacemakers. This isn't about avoiding conflict. This is actually about wading into conflict. Peacemakers doesn't, being a peacemaker doesn't mean you bolt every time things get tough at home. It may mean like you're having a fight and you take some time to cool down, but then you have the courage enough to come back and talk about the real issues in a calm, loving way that's seeking the benefit of both people. Peacemakers, it, 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 it seeks the good of the whole, not just the good of the self. Peacemakers come into families and they're able to bring people together who have been fighting over ridiculous stuff. The issues don't matter as much as the people. The actions don't matter as much as the heart. A peacemaker wades into conflict and brings restoration and peace and joy with her or him. Be a peacemaker. Don't avoid conflict and don't get hung up on your opinion. Don't Try to win an argument just for the sake of winning an argument. Win the person by coming in and bringing peace and showing love. Last is persecuted. That's not fun, persecuted. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of their righteousness. Listen, sometimes you're going to do the right thing and you know doing the right thing means it's going to stink. It's always better to do the right thing, to follow Jesus, even if it means you lose something. A friend walks out on you. Someone lies about you. Someone mistreats you or attacks you or bashes you on social media. It's always better to follow Jesus and do the right thing. It's worth it. There's a whole lot of good stuff poured out for those last two in verses 10 and 11. They're, yours is the kingdom of heaven, and, and you're like Jesus when that happens. Now, persecution does not mean someone disagrees with your opinion or calls you out or has a different political take on something. That's not persecution. Like, we got to get that. Like, our brothers and sisters in different countries, are, our, our definition of persecution doesn't have, it's got to change a little bit. But when you're suffering because you are following Jesus, man, you are blessed. The last point, number four in this whole thing, to end this talk is this. Don't skip the best part. When I read this passage, I studied it so hard in preparation for this, and I kept focusing on the first part of each verse. It had all my attention, I think because I want to know what I can do. I want to know what I should do. The focus seems to be on me, but this passage is less about us and more about God. Don't skip the best part and focus on yourself. Focus on God as you read these words. The blessings are the best part because God is a good God. Yours will be the kingdom of heaven. You're going to be comforted. Listen, it may not seem like it now, but you will inherit the whole earth. Listen, even if you feel empty, you're going to be filled up. It's going to happen. And you are going to be shown mercy even when you screw up. You're going to see God. And not only will you see God, but you will be called the children of God for yours is the kingdom of heaven if you're following Jesus. God is a good God. And he wants to pour his blessing out on you. He wants you to have a clear life, a good life as you follow him. And it's not 
what we think gets us there. It's actually the words of Jesus, of following him, and most importantly, our hearts, that leads us towards a really good life, a life that is full of blessing. I want that for you. I want that for me. I want that for the people I love. And so here's what you got to do. Decide if you're not to be part of the kingdom. We decide through faith. You could do it right now by just saying, God, I give you my life. I need your forgiveness. I give you my heart. Make it new. I want to follow you. You Just decide to start it or decide to level up. Where are you at on this list, on your journey? It's okay wherever you're at. Just pick one and start to focus on it and pray about it and think about it and try to apply it this week. You'll be amazed at the joy that comes from following him. Let's pray. God, thank you so much. Man, this list is so powerful. We're so thankful for you. Would you help us to remember that you have a deeper kind of happiness for us, that you care more about our insides, that this is a journey for all of us. Help us to be patient with people who are not on the same part of our journey and help us to treat everybody with grace and love and help us not to skip the best part. Thank you so much for this incredible inheritance we have as your children. In Jesus' name, amen.